episode of the planet fantasy podcast and we're your hosts damon and kyle kyle how's it going good man how are you i'm doing all right you know uh saints are winning right now so it's a it's a good sunday so far uh not -hmm. too bad uh we also have uh one of our friends of the pod one of the longest running guests so far uh we have olivia olivia how's it going hi i'm good how are you you know, doing all right, doing all right. Uh, it's great to see you again. Um, hey, thanks for having me back. Yes. Now, let's get to the crux of this episode because this is a very special, different kind of episode. So, let's give the floor to Olivia. Okay, cool. Thank you. Um, so, David and Carl and I were chatting before, and basically, for years, I've been listening to and widely recommending. Um, your friend of mine, Brett Goldstein, famously Roy Kent from Ted Lasso's podcast, um, Films We Rode With, where he and a guest talk through the films of their life. And we thought it would be cool to hear from Damon and Kyle about the films that mean the most to them. Um, so even though I'm significantly less charming than Brett Goldstein, um, I do love swearing. So let's just fucking go. Um, <laughs> um, yeah, we're just going to talk through... Um, the questions that Brett asked on his podcast, I'm going to leave out the whole, like, the wider premise, um, just because it's a lot of talk about death, and we don't we don't need those vibes here. Um, and so we, I'm just going to ask you guys questions, and really interested to hear your answers, because I know that we normally, well, you guys in general normally talk more specifically in terms of genre, or, you know, um, era, in terms of your film and TV recommendations, but it's cool to hear like more widely what has influenced you um, throughout your life and what films you love, what films you hate, what films that you cry, uh, what films turn you on. So let's go for it. Um, so I'm just going to head right into it if you're both ready. Yes. Yes, ma'am. Let's Great. do this. Cool, cool, cool. So um, welcome to uh, Planet Fantasy. I'm your host, Olivia Smith. And <laughs> um, <laughs> so uh, Damon, tell me, what's the first film you remember seeing? So this is such a like hard question to answer just because I don't remember a time when I wasn't watching movies. Like I'm a television kid. That's what I grew up doing. Like I always had a TV show on, a movie on. That's how I was kept at bay as a child. And I just kind of, you know, really haven't changed since then. Um, but I, I know for a fact it has to definitely be something of the Disney variety, something definitely that I watched when I was a kid. I was born in 91. So, like, once I started really remembering and was aware of what was happening was probably, what, three or four. And, and right then, one that always comes to mind that I watched constantly um, is Aladdin. And, of course, it's, it's one of my favorite movies of all time. We've talked about it ad nauseum on this podcast. I, I love it. Um, it It's just so special just because of Robin Williams. The music's so fun and, and, and playful. Uh, 
the whole cast is really fun. Jafar is a great villain. And, you know, it's just the thing I, I remember, I, I, you know, it, it was either this or a handful of other movies. And I feel like I probably watched this the most as a kid. So it, it gets the it's the official answer. Yeah, nice. When do you, when do you first remember seeing it? I mean, definitely like as soon as I was aware of watching things and and like remembering things as a as a little kid. Um, definitely probably three or four and just, you know, sitting in front of my old school TV, you know, it had, it had a very cool vintage kind of look to it, uh, wooden box and all that. <laughs> I miss it. It just looked really cool. I'd, I'd sit like two or three feet away from the TV. I was one of those kids, you know, the whole, hey, get away. You're going to hurt your eyes. My eyes are just <laughs> mine still. But I was like there just watching constantly and and just laughing with every single imitation and impersonation that uh, Robin Williams threw out because that, that was the best part of the movie, really. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's perfect. There are so many like quotable lines. Like my sister and I still quote some of the really obscure, random little things that Robin Williams says like still to this day. So yeah, it's so good. Carl, how do you feel about Aladdin? Oh yeah, I mean we we. Like David said, this is like one of those signature Planet Fantasy movies at this point. Um, I think also with this question, it's like really the, the first movie that made an impression on you. You know, like I'm I'm sure I have my answer, but I'm sure there are things that I saw before in mine. But it's it's clear that Aladdin, just from the way Damon's talked about it before, like it that's like the first thing that like really made an impression on him. And that's I mean, it's a perfect choice for it like this. It's great when you're a kid, but it's one of those you can come back to. And even now, I'll go back. And, this is like a big comfort movie for me. Like, I'll go back and just rewatch it if I'm, like, bored or I don't, like I can't decide on a new movie to watch. I'll just kind of default to Aladdin. So it's a great choice. Absolutely. Oh, I should also mention, this still follows the rules of the draft. So you can't pick the same movie. <laughs> oh, okay. Oh. <laughs> and we're very similar. So <laughs> Secret rule number three. Um... I, mean, you can't, I just made that up. Not that's a lot of Uh But you know, keep it. Still keep it PF over here. Um, Kyle, what's um, what's the first film you remember seeing? So I have a very shitty memory. Uh, so there are probably, like I said, there's probably movies before this, but this movie came out in 2002. I don't think I saw it in the theater, but like my earliest memory of watching something at home with my siblings, and it's one that we still to this day quote. And it's such a weird, obscure movie, but have either of you seen the movie Big Fat Liar? Oh, yeah. Frank Nunez and, uh, and uh, yeah, Paul Giamatti. Paul <laughs> it's the weirdest movie. I still, I mean, this is 100% nostalgia goggles because it's not a very, like, well-made movie, but <laughs> I love it. I, I adore this movie. It makes sense that I'm now such a Giamatti fan because he, I guess he shaped my childhood. Um, but oh. he's unhinged in this movie. Um it's it's one of those yeah it i don't think we saw it in the theater maybe my family did so it came out in 2002 i would have been four years old um but i remember we had it on vhs when those were still a thing like it was one of the last uh vhs's we owned um yeah and it's just it's it's goofy it's frankie munez and amanda Bynes who like legitimately work so well together like they they were fantastic in the movie Mm -hmm. um yeah, it's just it's a stupid, stupid movie. Donald Faison is in there. Um, Jaleel White. Like, there's just all these random celebrity cameos because uh, Giamatti plays like a, a movie producer or a director, um, mm-hmm. and he basically steals 
Frankie Muniz's like high school uh, paper as his script for his new big movie. And it like takes off and it's super successful. And so Frankie Muniz goes to Hollywood to like, hey, you stole my idea. <laughs> uh, it's yeah. it's fantastic. <laughs> like Giamatti plays. I want to see him do more roles like that, even though I he probably was just like, I'm making this for my kids. Like it's, I, it's could, you could watch this and think that it was like a Nickelodeon uh, original movie. Um, but he's just he's absolutely nuts in this movie if you look at the cover of it it's probably him in all blue paint like uh tobias funk <laughs> uh but he yeah he's he's just it's great watch it for him if nothing else <laughs> okay yeah I, I i don't think i even had heard of this movie but then everything you've described about it is suggests that it did not make massive waves across the pond <laughs> i appreciate i appreciate paul giamatti very much um, he's an absolute legend. That's so. Why was it a bad? What? Oh, you know, you'd have to get into it. Um, what, Kyle? What film scares you the most? Is it Big Fat Liar? <laughs> I'm so scared of people finding me out. Um, <laughs> probably. I'm gonna say so. Like, there's like typical horror movies that get get to me still, like The Shining and you know Psycho. But like, so there's a movie that came out in 2010 called Buried. Uh, it stars Ryan Reynolds. Um, it is so the entire movie takes place in his character has been buried alive. He's in a, a coffin and the movie is all like filmed in that coffin. Um, mm -hmm. so one, it's like Ryan Reynolds should have gotten an Oscar cause it's literally just him. Uh, he's great. Um, but like, I never had an issue with claustrophobia until watching that movie. And there like are times when I'll just be sitting and like, still think about like the feeling I had watching that movie. It's just so it is like paralyzing like the that the notion of being stuck somewhere for that long and i won't get into like i hope people haven't seen the movie so they can go see it uh it's anxiety inducing but it's a great movie so i won't say anything about like the ending or anything but it's it's just fucking terrifying just utterly nightmare scenario <laughs> yeah i haven't seen it so i don't know if i want to but i might, <laughs> I might for the pod you know for the pod <laughs> Yeah. Also, what's hilarious about this is that when Brett, like Brett hosting this, his podcast, he's a true cinephile. So he's seen every single movie that the guests talk about. I've seen famously no movies. So I'm just like, <laughs> oh, that sounds great. <laughs> anyway, um, <laughs> uh, Damon, what film scared you the most? So um, I have been claustrophobic pretty much my whole life. <laughs> so very much like Kyle, I have one that is very claustrophobic in just the entire movie. I'm just like uncomfortable and like. Yeah try to look away but also watch because it's so enticing and so like this movie's i really like it the reviews on this movie is n are not very favorable but i oh. thought it was just so good i'm talking about as above so below oh. have you seen that one yeah yeah i have seen that one is that the one in the yes the catacombs of paris <gasps> and i you know that movie just it, it's so claustrophobic and the catacombs themselves are creepy. Yeah. And and then it starts adding that sentient level of just creepy, super, like everything is alive. Like everything down there has its own spirit and energy and who knows what can happen. Those two together just really just was a combo for nopes, nope, I'm out. Like uh, that movie really got me big time. That's really rough. Did you see it in the cinema? No, I actually did not see it until about two, three years ago. 
Okay. Um, I like, you know, I try to stay away from horror movies if they don't get good reviews, just because, like, ten usually, like, they're they're gonna be pretty bad. Um, but like, you know, my roommates and I at the time, I think it was like 2018, we were going through watching some movies for Halloween, as one does. I'm getting my list together right now, and uh, we watched it, and I just fell in love with that movie. It was so creepy, uncomfortable. It hit me in all the good spots a horror movie should. So. Yeah. Well, you've got to get over to Paris. You've got to get down there, man. <laughs> yeah, man. Face your fears. Where yeah, I, let's bury you alive. <laughs> How well, about I, that? Yeah, at least we, at least we were not to push you two into a cupboard together. Like, yeah. you're just suffering madly. Liv, you're the host, so I don't want to... Is that how we died? Like, are we doing, like, the... the his, his rules yeah. of... <laughs> yeah, you you just panicked. I, I pushed you into a into a laundry cupboard, and you both panicked so much that you... <laughs> That's how you how you died. Sorry. I bet we yeah, came up with some great say, draft ideas before we died. <laughs> if I was in the position of Barry in that movie, I would just have a heart attack and yeah. die really quick. Yeah, horrific. So at least you've got a, you know, listeners, you've got a resounding encouragement to go get this shit scared out of you from that movie. <laughs> uh, I haven't, yeah, sorry, I haven't seen Buried, Kyle, but um, I just, well, I can't handle it but nice to see um ryan reynolds in a role like that i think mm-hmm. he's good he is good in it yeah he's he's really good yeah nice Oof. okay we'll move on from the spooky to the um tragic um damon what film makes you cry the most are you so, a crier i am a crier i am i've always just cried at movies that make me sad i it just happens um you yeah. know let them flow uh, let them go <laughs> Um, this is a hard one to answer just because, like, I I can't remember all the movies that I cried a lot in, you know? Like, it's like, oh, why would I remember? try to remember that, you know? <laughs> There's a couple of handful that, like, I've seen that were just, like, made to make you cry. So I don't like thinking about those or considering yeah. those. You know, those are more kind of manipulative, you know? I want, I want the more... Hitchhikers. Yeah, the more tearjerkers, the authentic cries, the ones that are just trying to tell a story and happen to be sad. And one that I've watched a lot in the last few years that is very vivid in my mind that just makes me cry a lot. And like throughout the entire movie and then like in certain scenes, just like a lot at that significant moment. So it's like, you know, you're hitting all the elements. So it's got to be inside out. Hmm. Oh, yeah. Bing bong, man. Bing bong, bing bong. Mm. Oh, wow. Poor Riley. Yeah, I think that's. I've listened to a lot of the of Brett's podcast, and I would say that's like between that and I don't want to maybe spoil your answer, Kyle, because I know how much you love this film. Between that film and Coco, it's mm. like yeah. across the board, people it ruins people, and these are kids' movies. <laughs> like, <laughs> and they are traumatizing generations of adults across the world, and we love it. <laughs> Did you see that in the cinema? No, I, I I don't think I've seen a Pixar movie in theaters ever. Wow. I don't want to be like, I know, but like, I don't know. As a kid, I always wanted to go see like the epic sprawling fantasy movies. You know, I hit all the Lord of the Rings and Star Wars, all that. Those I could just wait for them to come out. It wasn't like, oh, my God, I have to see this. 
Yeah. But when you see it, you're like, oh, this is amazing. It's great, you know. But it wasn't like, oh, this movie's going to get spoiled for me. I have to see it for the culture, for the, you know, for, for the fandom. But they're they're just so good. And now as an adult, I don't want to go see a children's movie, but especially by myself. <laughs> just as a, a white man. I Like, that's just as weird vibes. Like, sure, maybe once I... Uh, you know, if I get a girlfriend again, those will be the perfect date movies. Yeah, but, uh, I appreciate your self-awareness that you don't want to go into a kid's movie alone. That's snaps for you, Damon. Well done. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's just weird. It's just weird. <laughs> what about, is it being wrong that makes you cry? What is it about the movie that makes you cry? I mean, the fact is it's about emotions. You know, like the, the whole joke, what if emotions had emotions? Uh, that's the whole, you know, the whole Pixar thing. If, if these things have emotions and the journey of Riley, you know, the, you know, if maybe we all haven't been in her situation moving across from Minnesota to San Francisco and, and having that kind of culture shock and, and that, but we've all been in that kind of situation, like just a big change of life. You know, we don't know how to handle it. We're just swimming in our feelings and we try to shut them down and shut them off. And this is just a, such a simple and basic movie that really shows you how to how you should how you can handle it especially as a, a young kid and it, it's so emotional in all the right ways um yeah I, I i just laughed and cried throughout the whole movie so yeah i know it's it's beautiful kyle does it reduce you to does that movie reduce you to tears sim- similarly oh yeah i oh yeah a, <laughs> pixar movies like I feel like most of them I'll watch and you know get emotional for most of them, and then on rewatch it's like okay, you know I, I'm fine now. I know what's coming, and Inside Out I know what's coming, and it's still every time I get to the Bing Bong part I'm a puddle. Like I'm just yeah it, that that movie, it feels like almost illegal for how like how much that like I feel physically exhausted when I watch Inside Out, but it's still it is a beautiful movie and important. Like I think we talked about this when we talked about it on the. 2010s pod but like such an important movie for children like to be able to access and to be told like it's okay to feel the things that they feel i wish i had a movie like that when i was when i was growing up so it's yeah what a great movie um i I have to mention the the one scene that i think just gets like is like probably it's always always waterworks is when the scene where she loses the game and she's like on the tree and her parents come and and comfort her oh God, yeah. <laughs> it hurts. <laughs> yeah, all of us with parent issues <laughs> having a real tough time. <laughs> um, <laughs> no, that's yeah, you're so right. Yeah, there's a couple of real heavy, heavy hitters in in that movie. Yeah, absolutely. Um, Kyle, what what film makes you cry the most? Uh, so I don't know what this says about me, but I I love watching movies that make me cry. I same just, boy. Yeah, I famously love sad music, sad movies, whatever. I just enjoy that. Um, But there's a few, I mean, there's a few that, like, still, like, it's just every time I watch it, I can't get through it without getting emotional. And I talk about this movie all the time, but it's probably got to be room for me. Um, That's my answer. (laughs) It's just such a good movie. My God. Yes, go on. No, it's just, like, there's something about... So I I um just like I don't see a world where I would want kids and that's just like a personal thing. I think kids are great. I just don't really see like that's something I would want, but 
watching that movie, I think that's one of the purest examples of like the relationship between a child and their parent, especially because of the situation that they're in, right? Like they're even more dependent on each other than they would be normally. But um, there's like, there's key moments in that movie that, yeah, I've seen the movie upwards of like 15, 20 times. And when he escapes and is reunited with his mom, I just can't. Like I, I'm an absolute puddle. Um, that and then like, there's just another, I don't want to give the whole movie away, but there's other moments in the movie that just really get to me. And the performances too, just really like Jacob Tremblay, I think it's probably my favorite child performance ever. I mean, he's he's like nine years old in that movie and it's just, he's acting circles around everyone. Um, and Brie Larson is, is phenomenal. But yeah, it's just, it's just, it's such a, like the, the premise is so devastating. So you, I, I went into it not knowing much, but knowing the basic idea, I hadn't read the book. And I was kind of worried. I was like, this might be a little too heavy. And it is, but it's also like a very hopeful movie because it's kind of from his perspective. So it's innocent in a way. Um, and that I think that is what makes it really emotional too because it's like the fact that he is still, he's not <laughs> like, you would think that he'd be incredibly fucked up after that situation. And he's still this incredibly cheerful, like innocent little kid who has this inc incredible outlook on life and like, is just so like loving towards his mom. And it's just, ah, uh, it just, it kills me every time. It's so good. <laughs> so good. Damon, have you seen that movie? No, I haven't. And that's on the, uh, I told Kyle the other day, I'm going to have a Kyle day of movies, <laughs> of movies that I need to watch. You watch what I have recommended over and over again. This is yeah. one of them. Yeah. So, yeah, it's incredible. I went and saw it in the cinema and I was like curled up in a ball, like sobbing. And then kind of, I think, desensitized to my, myself to it after the fact. And then mm. watched it with my mum. And then we were both like inconsolable. And then so now I know that if I just need to have a little cry, it's the one to, it's the one to put on. Like, yeah. But it's, it's not like what Damon was talking about as like a tearjerker. It's just, I know it's going to have, like when that rising music, when he's in the truck, like I'm just, okay, well, I'm cool. I'm crying now. <laughs> so yeah, I, both of those choices, Inside Out and Room, they're just both out in 2015. I'm looking. Yep. And, uh, year of tears. Solid, it was a solid year. There was a lot of good stuff out that year. Um, but we'll move on to um, slightly... This might that might be the the lowest we get in terms of mood. Um, <laughs> Kyle, what um what film do you love that others don't? Uh, yeah, so this is tough because I feel like even in my like I feel like there are movies that I really like that I just don't see people talk about. But I feel like everything has its fan base. But there is a movie in particular that I just feel, and it's pretty well known. I don't think it's an obscure movie. I think mm -hmm. it. So there's a movie called Dark City that came out in 1998. Um, Came out a year before The Matrix, which is important because it's a very similar plot. Does not have near the, obviously, the love that The Matrix has. Um, now, The Matrix is, like, obviously influential and very iconic and, and did a lot of things for movies. And Dark City is a lot slower and more atmospheric. But I feel like even that, like, I feel like now would be the time people would come around on this movie. Because, like, I feel like with the sci-fi genre, people are really getting into more of, like, the dark atmospheric stuff. You know, like, with Dune coming out. And Dark City feels like a precursor to that. Um, it's, like, Kiefer Sutherland. He's fantastic. The Agent Smith-type villains in it are, like, terrifying. Like, I love the character design. 
it's just a really dark, moody, atmospheric movie that I just I just never see anyone talk about it. It's directed by the guy who did The Crow, um, and I think he did iRobot. So he's a very visionary director that sometimes misses. Uh, but I think Dark City is the one. Don't don't talk shit about iRobot. I love that movie. <laughs> okay. I'm sorry. I'm allergic to bullshit. I do love iRobot. <laughs> it's a good movie. Um, it's it's just a good movie. It's just very, like I said, very dark atmospheric. Deals with a lot of the same kind of ideas that The Matrix does. I just think that The Matrix was a lot more action heavy and a lot more like, I won't say palatable because it's the the fucking Matrix. Like it's not exactly palatable, but. It's it was just cooler. Like the Matrix is just a very cool movie, and Dark City is just like a very specific movie tone wise that I don't think that people were maybe ready for. Um, yeah. But it's just so it's so good. I definitely recommend Dark City. Yeah, I've never heard of it. Have you, Damon? I have. We've talked about it a couple times. I've I don't know. I feel like I've almost even tried to watch it before, but this was way back, and I don't know why I didn't finish it. But I have it. I've been trying to find it on streaming. Kyle, do you know if it's streaming anywhere? I don't believe so. And that's the problem because I'll recommend it to people and then they just can't find it anywhere. <laughs> so, but I've heard about it. It it definitely has its place in like, you know, that kind of subculture of, of pop culture, those kind of movies and all that. I've been wanting to watch it though. It's, it's definitely a Kyle movie on the list. So. Yes. <laughs> Yeah, but do you think it's more like um, it's not that people don't like it, it's just that people haven't been exposed to it? I think so. I, I Now, again, this is a movie from 98, so I you know, I was born that year. I don't know what like the theater was <laughs> like. I don't know how many people went and saw it. Like, it might be like a cult classic. I, I don't know, because the director's pretty well known. But I just like, I'll bring that movie up, and I feel like no one knows what I'm talking about. And it's just, yeah, I think it's, it's such a good movie. Yeah, I'm just looking it up. It got nominated for a bunch of Saturn Awards. Like, it got really good reviews. Interesting. Well, Kyle, I might have to buy um, a VHS and then mail it over to Damon or something like that, and we'll just make it work. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Okay. I, don't have a VH, I don't have a VHS, like... Well, me neither, Damon, CR but we we'll it. At all. Like, that's what just it's called. Just work with us, Damon. CR was for a second. <laughs> Stop killing the dog that you dreamed, Damon. Okay. Um, <laughs> um, okay, but it's good that it's gone on the Kyle list. Maybe at the end, like at some point, or you need to do a whole podcast where you just run down the, the Kyle list once you've watched them all. And That's give, a, and give back That's a very long I, list. <laughs> you think about Kyle's. That's an amazing <laughs> idea. We'll have to definitely do that once I watch them all. That's very good. Um, Damon, what film do you love that others don't? Okay, so I tried to go since it was kind of the problem of, you know, I don't want to talk about a movie that maybe people do love, just not a lot of people have seen, and I haven't talked to the people that have seen it. Um, and, you know, that's the common route to go this way. I want to go with a movie that's maybe a little bit more recent, but definitely a lot of people didn't seem to enjoy. They just, you know, just kind of ignored it. They didn't seem to, to like it. I personally had so much fun watching this movie. I've talked about it before on this podcast. I'll talk about it plenty um and that's about uh birds of prey okay yeah i just love that movie it's super fun it, it's silly it doesn't take itself seriously but it, it it still holds true to what they're trying to do the action's super fun 
Harley Quinn's just in the zone. I mean, the whole cast, Margaret Robbie, Rosie Perez, Mary Elizabeth Winstead, Journey Smollett, who I love uh, so, so much. Uh, and they're apparently giving her her own movie from this. Mm. So, you know, it got something. But I, I just heard a lot of people just not be fans of it. You know, they prefer a lot of the other DC fare. But this is probably my second favorite DCEU movie, so to say. So... I hold it in high regard. It's just, a, it's so fun. Yeah, I com- I completely agree. Carl, what do you think about Bad's Prey? So if I'm building a Damon list, I have seen this movie. I This also just proves your this being your answer, because I hate it. Um, but yep. I want to go back and now watch it, because I think I watched it for the first time. I don't know, like, Damon knows, because I was, t- like, live updating him. I mean, it was probably, like, maybe a few months ago. And, yeah, it just didn't hit with me um but hearing how much damon loves it and i did i i loved aspects of it i think i really liked ewan mcgregor thought he was great i thought the entire cast was really good especially mary elizabeth Feinstead. like she was fantastic um but i don't know something about it just didn't hit with me but i always like going back to stuff like that when there's like someone who's like no you just got to give it a a second look because i feel like that happens with a lot of movies where i make a judgment too quickly on it for one reason or another um yeah so i i this is one that i want to go back and revisit because i i look forward to maybe my opinion changing on it do it yeah. eat a breakfast sandwich while watching it <laughs> it did make me hungry because i do love a good fried egg sandwich well yeah i famously hate eggs and it even it even <laughs> even made me maybe think maybe i'm wrong which i'm never wrong about eggs but <laughs> <laughs> okay live the area uh, thank you for that compliment. Um, I um, uh, no, but I'm with you. I'm with you, Damon. Like I thought, the action sequences were great. I thought her, like um, all the main gal performances were great, and Ewan McGregor. Like I, I it didn't, um, it didn't miss for me. So I'm with you. And I only watched it like a few weeks ago. So Carl, sorry, sorry about it. You're wrong. Um, I just love being wrong. Yeah, good. It's good that you know that though. Um, uh great well yeah the birds of prey in dark city so uh very interesting stuff i can't believe dark city came out the year you were born kyle how <sighs> yeah gonna... <laughs> this is the second best thing to come out of that year oh um... <laughs> yeah that's not good um i'm not gonna belabor that joke um uh damon what film did you used to love that you feel like doesn't hold up now I will tell y'all after the break. Oh. Winner's Corner. Yes, we have another special segment of Winner's Corner for this week. Kyle, what episode, what draft are we talking about right now? Yes, we are talking about the uh, Dream Book Adaptations draft. We were joined by our good friend, Hannah, first-time guest who just crushed it, knocked it out of the park. All right, we ready for our scores? No. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we're not, because this is brutal. <laughs> uh, in third place, we have myself with a measly two votes. Thank you to my two fans. I do it for you. Uh, for second place, we have Damon with six votes. I want to see that Dresden Files series. I really do. I want to see all three of these, because this I is a really great draft. But then, of course, the winner is Hannah with a mighty 24 votes. I mean, this is 
yeah, this I mean, this is not surprising. She we dealt we all did a great job, but she just crushed it. All of her casting choices were on point. Um, can't wait to see Red, White, and Royal Blue adapted by Hannah Van Ember. <laughs> That's your winner, Hannah. First time on the pod, got a W. Can't wait to see what you got next. Okay, we're back. So, what film did I used to love that does not hold up today? So, mm-hmm. I'm not going to go with a potential answer that people don't like me talking about because I don't, I'm saving that for a different podcast. Okay. <laughs> um, I won't mention the name of, of said movie, um, but the movie I did choose. This was a movie that I absolutely loved as a kid. Like, I watched it so much. Speaking of Halloween and scary, this was a kind of a creepy movie for me as a kid. I'm talking about Monster Squad. Okay. Oh, oh no. Wolfman's oh, got no. Um, This movie was fun and goofy and, and kind of scary, like I said, as a kid. And then I bought the DVD a couple years ago and, and watched it. And, and I became really sad because it was terrible. Like, it was just garbage, y'all. Like, the, the plot was incoherent. The acting was terrible. The, the special effects were really bad. I'm like, why, like, why did I like this as a kid? It, it's so bad. It, yeah. <laughs> but it's basically you and Kyle. Like kids that idolize horror movies and that's <laughs> you see your own your own vibe like that yeah i wanted to be a part of the monster squad as a kid like it was so cool you know like oh they get to fight dracula and the wolfman and the swamp thing and you know the little girl makes friends with frankenstein's monster i always loved that part that part is still kind of cool that's like one of the only parts that still holds up that's about yeah. it <laughs> that makes me so sad because I haven't seen it in such a long time, but I remember loving it growing up. But now I have to now I morbidly really want to check it out and see how bad it is. <laughs> just 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 live in the memory of what it was. Don't <laughs> Do you not live in the ignorance. Um, is there not like a a charm to it? Did you not the, the charm So like you know like movies that even still end up being bad, but you, you do like, there's a charm to it or like, it's like, it's bad in a good way. Yeah. Right. Like, those right. are good. This was just, it, it went over that. It just went <laughs> and it just became too bad to enjoy. Oh no. Oh, Kyle, I'm so sorry. <laughs> I'm so sad. I love Shane Black. <laughs> was that Shane Black? Yeah, he wrote it. I think Richard oh, Donner directed it too. Which is so, like that they're both great. <laughs> yeah, no, it's no. Just wow. just don't watch it again. Just think it's good. That's, that's a shame. And the fact that you went to such effort to rewatch it again later in life and then just got yeah. got let down. Mm. I'm so sorry to I was excited. I bought that DVD. Like I was like, I have it now, I can watch it whenever I want. I watched it and I'm like, okay. And yeah. I I don't even know where it is anymore. <laughs> media it's not even like you rented it you really invested wow yeah well it's because that's interesting because i don't know a lot of people that or maybe this is like a uk us thing but it's not like a super known movie here 
so I don't know that anyone would have like any real sort of like emotional childhood connection to it but yeah it's just that's why leave it leave the past where it is sometimes you know especially when a goofy movie like that I guess but um wow and a a curveball I think especially for Kyle um that choice Kyle what about you what um what film did you used to love that you doesn't hold up now uh yeah so I went like two different directions with this I kind of Mallory Rubined it and came up with a couple (laughs) um but so there's some that I like loved and then watch now. I mean, there, this is like a question of like what movies are basically just problematic now. And we're always problematic, but we have like common sense now, you know, like uh, I used to love 500 Days of Summer and like idolized Tom. And, you know, we watch that now and it's like that's not great behavior. <laughs> uh, it's a fun movie and I think it's well directed and he and uh Zoe Deschanel are great, but yeah, like don't watch the movie and like hope to be Tom. Um, and then like similarly, like the James Bond movies in general, you know, yeah. like it's just I feel like that's an easy target, but it, it, for a reason, you know, like Goldfinger in particular was I remember it was one of the most lauded James Bond movies. And I hadn't seen the franchise before, watched the whole franchise maybe like five years ago and yeah. loved Goldfinger um, and watched it again in anticipation i think of this new one so like maybe a month or two ago and mm. i was like what the fuck was i thinking like this is very bad <laughs> uh like there yeah i mean I, I even drafted it before on this podcast so this is me like apologizing to katie because i remember i remember how mad she was she was like really you're gonna go with that one <laughs> she was she was uh, all right yeah so yeah it's just like you know spy movies are fun but we can make them without uh like a creepy rapey uh hero um that'd be great it's not, yeah it's not that hard uh and then one that's just kind of i guess similar to the monster squad i loved it as a kid but it is truly like a really bad movie it's just dumb is robin hood prince of thieves um <laughs> kevin costner's british accent is so bad in that movie it's not a british accent it's not he's yeah, just I don't... <laughs> I don't know what he's doing in that movie. Uh-huh. I it, gave, <laughs> it gave, yeah, you can say that, right? You have authority. Um, it it gave us Brian Adams, everything I do, I do it for you. So like, I'm grateful for that. But otherwise, just and it also, of course, Alan Rickman is fantastic in the movie. Like he knew what he was doing, but nobody else did. <laughs> yeah, there was some troubling um, stuff about thank God we saved Morgan Freeman's character from the Crusades. And that was a bit of like a... Yeah. yeah certainly. But it gave us also gave us the iconic line, no Fanny, I won't leave you, which is something a friend of mine and I shout at each other with regularity. Um, <laughs> I'm sad to see that on your list, but I do get it. Any more? You've got, you got three on that list so far? Yeah, that's that's it. I don't want to like... I, I tried to not have multiple answers for all these questions, but there's a couple where I had to... Yeah, I did shout a couple out. <laughs> Yeah, 500 Days of Summer is an interesting one because I feel like even John Levitt has sort of said in the last year or two, he's like, Tom's not the hero. And if you watch the movie that way, right. sorry. So I think hopefully it was made with a bit of a knowing, you know what I mean? Like a knowing eye. Yeah, like similar to like the Scott Pilgrim thing. Like we're not supposed to like Scott, you know. We don't like Scott. <laughs> <laughs> we don't like Scott. Well, we don't like him. Yeah, sadly, I'm not We're sure. We're going for life. You know. Um, 
no but that's interesting um damon how do you feel about that that um those movies that, those, that sinner's paradise of 500 days of summer <laughs> so, um i i still like 500 days of summer be, just because of that like the fact is i think the whole point of the sh- movie is the fact that they aren't they weren't meant to be together you're not really you know he wasn't he the whole idea is he had his that set up of his mindset of what is love and and like you know and the fact is i think he was trying to the fact is you're supposed to learn you're not supposed to learn that from movies and tv you know it's it's a lot more intricate and complex and way more complicated than that and yeah he just wasn't doing it right he just made a bunch of bad decisions and mistakes in a relationship and you showed it showed that you know that's where you end up it it wasn't yeah. going to work out it didn't work out and and hopefully that he learned you know his sister was trying to guide him in the right direction i felt like most of the movie um <laughs> Love I, Chloe Grace Moretz. She's great in the movie. Yeah. Prince of Thieves, I saw at a later time in life, so I never really enjoyed it that much. Oh, so. that's fair. <laughs> Such a shame. Such a shame. What what a movie. But <laughs> yeah. Um I, I do I understand why what you mean. It doesn't it doesn't necessarily hold up now. Um and Goldfinger, yeah. Let's hope that um No Time to Die really sorts that out they got phoebe, they got your your boo phoebe waller bridge oh yeah that she's writing it I, I hope like all the stuff we've seen in the trailer is like the first 10 minutes and then daniel craig gets like killed and uh i forget the actress's name but the one who's supposed to replace him in these movies is just the main character for the rest of the movie oh, um some something lynch right lee uh yeah sh- what is her name I know that's going to happen by the end of the movie, but uh, let's get a head start. Just, you know. Lynch. Yes. Yes, that's it. Yeah, yeah pull she, a skyfall, but actually kill him off in the beginning. Yeah. And she was amazing in Captain Marvel. I love her playing Carol Danvers' wife. Yes. yes. So good. Canon. Canon. Um, that's um, no, I'm really, I'm really excited about this movie, and um, they've got some, um, got some good gang in it so hopefully and also i feel like daniel craig is just like i'm out so i'm just gonna he's so done (laughs) yeah he's so done um yeah anyway um great thank you for those (laughs) what uh yeah what a a mix but monster squad 500 days of summer goldfinger robin hood prince of thieves woof none of them hold up (laughs) great and now uh, Kyle, what film means the most to you? Yeah, so uh, Liv sent the questions to us beforehand, which I'm grateful for, because this is the one I had to think the most about. And I also had to think, like, and I should have asked this before I started recording, like, how real are we allowed to get? <laughs> what would you like? I, do, I don't want to, like, bring the mood down or anything, but there is one. So uh, I'll say two, because there's one that I just appreciate because as a writer, like I think it's just a marvel of the movie. So there's a movie called Blue Jay, came out in 2016, uh, stars Mark Duplass and Sarah Paulson. Um, The movie has no script. It is basically their former high school sweethearts just reconnecting. Um, And yeah, the the director basically told them, director usually, he works with Mark Duplass quite a bit. I think his name is Alex Lehman. Um, and he basically told the two of them, you write your characters interactions and like, just play it authentically. And that shows and like, it's just the chemistry is off the charts. 
Um, and that tells me, like, I, I, you know, the pipe dream is to someday write movies. And, like, the idea of, like, just having that collaborative process where you can get with two actors who trust each other and trust you and, like, kind of come up with something beautiful like that. And it is such a beautiful movie because they're, they're just genuinely interacting. And, and there's a real, like, genuine connection you can sense from that. Um, so I love that. And then I will say, I'll shout, <laughs> Damon is probably going to be like, he says this every week, because I have to mention this movie at least once a week, and it's once. Uh, <laughs> just You only have just, to mention it once. <laughs> exactly. Uh, I do adore the movie, but in terms of the context of the question, I mean, other than it just being a phenomenal movie, I uh, just had a real rough, like, bout of depression in, fe like, February, March 2020. Um, and usually my kind of go-to cure-all for that is watching movies, and it kind of wasn't for a while. Like, I just couldn't really, like, find the motivation to do anything, and Once was kind of the movie that broke that. Uh, I had obviously seen it plenty of times before, and it was a favorite of mine, but, like, I came back to it, and it was like I had this, like, old familiar feeling of kind of, like, just getting lost in a movie for two hours or however long it is, and, you know, like, I... I, I I don't want to place too much importance on what movies can do, but I do think that sometimes they're absolute magic in cases like that. Like when there's nothing else you really feel like doing or like anything you actively want to do, I think there's something really special about getting lost in like the story of, you know, a book or a TV show or a movie and just kind of like taking yourself out of your present situation and, and planting yourself in this other story or this other world. So yeah, it's got to be those two. Absolutely. And I think, you know, it's, you can get too into it. Like you can permanently have this form of escape in terms of TV and movies, but I think to have, like they are escapism. And I think that's really like, it's not a bad thing to use them as that, like when you need to. So, you know, right. I don't blame you. And um, what was the first movie you mentioned? Uh, Blue Jay. Blue Jay. Okay. I've never heard of that. Um, why does it, you mentioned, you know, sort of briefly what but what what about it you know I don't really know anything about the the plot or anything so like is there is there a particular thing about it that means so much to you uh I just really I I appreciate very small scale movies that I mean I, I love like big sweeping plots and epics but I also really appreciate when a movie is about a very specific thing I mean the movie is maybe like 90 minutes if even that it's just this real quick kind of glimpse into these two people's lives um, and then, like I said, like the collaborative process, I think is really wonderful. Like, I think more movies should take risks like that. Uh, like when you really trust your actors, just kind of work together and like, don't write a, a fully formed script of dialogue and let them kind of do what they do best. And, uh, yeah, the movie is, is utterly fantastic. If, if you have the chance to stream it, anyone who's listening, like if you haven't seen it, it's, it's really, really great. And obviously Mark Duplass and, and Sarah Paulson are icons, but, um, yeah. They just play off each other so well, and it's. I just appreciate when movies take a step back and kind of keep things real small scale, you know. And and it kind of it encourages me in like writing because I don't I I don't want to get caught in the trap of like going too big too soon, <laughs> like coming up with like really crazy concepts and then not being able to follow through on that. And so I feel like if you write in like the way that he did, writing a very small, very relatable scenario. These are just two former high school sweethearts who haven't been in each other's lives for a long time and they kind of run into each other in the grocery store and like the rest of the movie is them just kind of reconnecting at his uh his house um and it's like just this really sweet like introspective character piece 
Um, so I feel like some of the best movies come out of that that place of like writing from a very small uh, place. Yeah, absolutely. That's yeah, that's so lovely. Um, Kyle, what film means the most to you? Films or film means the most to you? Oh, do you mean Damon? Oh my God, yeah, I do mean Damon. <laughs> Kyle, give us some more. Yeah, um, I was like, uh... <laughs> very beautiful, emotional, uh, you know, thing about your favorite, your, you know, the movies that mean the most to you. And I'm just asking you for more. No, sorry, Damon, go. <laughs> um, so like Kyle, my brain broke trying to answer this question. Uh, I need everyone to know that because like I mean movies in general mean a lot to me like Mm -hmm. I've said before I grew up watching you know movies and tv and and you know I'm just an emotional person and and the ones that really connect to you like really leave an impact you know um some more than others and I the one that means the most I feel like of course has to have some sort of you know personal connection impact um you know, tied to your history or, you know, something very important in your life. Um, I don't know. So it, it kind of changes for me all the time because, you know, it, it's fluid for me because that's just, you know, emotions and my my mood and everything is always fluid. So it's it's never going to stay the same. So as of today, the answer is across the universe. Mm-hmm. Um, that movie, more so than anything, is the vibe of it, the emotion and the the warmth I feel when watching it. Um, it, there's really no articulate or specific reasons more than that. Just it, what it, how it makes me feel when I watch it. I feel like I'm at home, like it is a true comfort movie, and like I could watch it all the time and be content. So yeah, that's so nice. Um, when did you first see that movie? I was, I believe, a, when did it, when it first came out, it was that year, um, you know, it was starting to gain kind of traction, I think, on like the festival circuit or something like that, and people were talking about it, and and I ran it, I think it was like my sophomore, junior year, I watched it with my, uh, my best friend Chelsea, and uh, I've just, I've watched it so many times since then, um, and, the, and the funny thing is I'm not even a a big Beatles fan. I've talked about this before uh, with this movie on our personal film festival draft, but like these covers are so much better than any of the Beatles originals. And I will say that to anybody. And I, that's just how I feel. Yeah. I think I've been on a podcast with you where you've talked about it in that way. Yeah. Nope, that's right. Sure have. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so I don't know, this movie, just everything about it, the journey it, it feels like i'm a part of their group you know max mm. and, and jude and all them and to see them go from their journey from happy-go-lucky kids just trying to you know party and, and listen to music from the war to to you know not seeing each other for forever it seems like to to rejoining and just all of that it's just such a really fun eclectic journey all with the backdrop of amazing music and i don't know it just all of that combined makes a, a movie that just really hits for me yeah that's so nice and once again the two of you have really um you know merged in terms of music movies with music in them so yeah. universe, <laughs> you know you both like a tune to get you to get you in the field it's really nice <laughs> both both and also blue jay i mean i will check that out but um no big fans of of that and and the reasoning behind it so you know 
very personal for a lot of people and it's really really nice to hear about it um we're gonna take a hard left um damon what's the sexiest film okay um so i am a straight white man so just take that in regard as to what i consider sexy um but yep. cruel cruel intentions for for all the reasons that okay. you would say cruel intentions is the sexiest film i mean i haven't seen it in years but like young damon was a was a fan I uh, bet. <laughs> sarah him. michelle geller is is still beautiful to this day and yeah. in that movie she like unlocked a part you don't really see her play like yeah. that like like you know caddy like you know seduction like level sarah michelle geller and she's on it the whole time ryan mm -hmm. Philippi at his peak like uh i feel like fan like fan level like you know people just loved him at that time yeah. and then you know selma blair and reese witherspoon who like doing a movie like this was just was like whoa wow you know it was uh, at the time i was like i was like eight when this came out or something like that i don't remember i was young i don't even remember when i finally saw it but i know i always wanted to watch it because like oh this movie looks like it looks bad you know like <laughs> um it's still pretty tame really when you when you watch the movie back now but like especially at its time it was it was pretty it's pretty sexy so yeah yeah it was two women kissing and like in like a big like all-star movie it was it was a big one i remember i think i watched that way too young because but like all of my cousins and my siblings are like five six years old than me so they were all like 15 when that movie came out and i think i was like nine watching it just being like wow <laughs> so um, <laughs> Kyle, how do you do you think cool intention intentions is sexy <laughs> yes i i do i uh i agree yeah i, I haven't seen it in quite a long time but i Obviously saw it much later, but I, I still saw it very early in life. And it was one that was like, so Damon, I'm glad you prefaced by saying, I'm a straight white man. Here's one of the gayest movies of all time. <laughs> you know, it is pretty gay, though, huh? I mean, but it, it has something for everybody in that movie, I'd say. Yeah, for sure. For sure. Um, Absolutely right. Yeah, it, everyone is attractive in that movie. It's not fair. Yeah, that's yeah, that is oof, attractive people, huh? Um, the, the um, Kyle, what's the sexiest film? So I have like uh, an answer that is like maybe uh, weird, but I also have one that is kind of like the more conventional. So what I consider the bisexual holy trinity, which is okay. the mummy. Pirates yeah. of the Caribbean, The Curse of the Black Pearl, yeah. and The Lord of the Rings, but really any of them. Like, any of those three. The sexiest, Lord of the Rings. I don't get it. I just think that that's, oh, like, yeah. that's the bisexual holy trinity right there. Um, but for something different, I'm going to say Scooby-Doo 2. <laughs> Look, listen. Uh... <laughs> Another Sarah Michelle Gellar movie. <laughs> Exactly. Yeah. Maybe that's the unifying factor. I mean, um, I just think that this entire cast, I could have said the first one too, but like this entire cast is just stupidly attractive. They really are like that. It's not fair. Uh, and Linda Cardinelli is like, I was, it's probably one of my very first like 
real celebrity crushes was Velma in these movies. It was never Daphne. I love Sarah Michelle Gellar, and it probably is now because now I love Buffy. But, you know, then it was definitely Velma and Fred, but mostly Velma. Yeah, um, yeah. Yeah, just something about that movie. And it's also just a goofy, fun movie. And I feel like that's, a like, it's not just about people being attractive. Like, it's just like a fun, you just, like, have fun watching it, which I think is an important part of it. Yeah. <laughs> Can I ask why the second one over the first? Uh, there's this very specific scene involving Velma that I think kind of puts it over the edge. Um, oh, but also okay. the object of her affection in that scene. I mean, Seth Green is no slouch either. Like, I think he has a really weird, dorky kind of like, I don't get it. But I because I, I don't typically find him very attractive. But in that movie, I do. Let me tell you. Seth Green, because I was a Buffy head when I was a teenager, I had cut out pictures of Seth Green all over my school books. So <laughs> I get it. All right, good. I'm not not too crazy. <laughs> Mr. Howard the Duck himself. Lots <laughs> stuff. Wow. So interestingly, I have a I had a secret sub question to this question, which if you've listened to um, the podcast, you will you will know already. And I, Carl, I feel like we've had your answer to this already, but then may, we may get weirder. I, this I hope you'd is, ask because I have a different answer. <laughs> this section is called um, troubling boners and worrying wide-ons. So, then what's the what's the film that you find sexy that you think I maybe shouldn't find this very sexy? So for me, oh. We're back on we're back on Robin Hood, but cartoon Robin Hood, that fuck man. Oh yeah, absolutely. So to give you some context, I'm not talking like we're not, you know, we're not looking for any crimes here. I'm just saying things that like maybe when you were younger or like things that you're just like, oh, that's not sexy, but I find that really sexy. So, Planet Fantasy is a kink shame free zone. Completely. So we everything is valid here really um sexy movie i consider sexy that i shouldn't mm-hmm. we can go back to kyle if you want to take a minute yes kyle you you take the reins <laughs> um so i mean I, I can think of a couple examples but more just the idea of so i have two movies in, in mind so oh boy uh harry potter and the deathly hallows part two which I will explain in a second. And Gone Girl. Um, there's something about very violent, vicious women, uh, Bellatrix Lestrange and Rosamund Pike in Gone Girl. I don't get it. It's probably something to talk about in therapy. Um, but there's a scene in Gone Girl involving her and Neil Patrick Harris. That oh, no one watching should find sexy. No one should find that attractive. Um, yeah. I don't get it. And then, like, everything Bellatrix does in those movies. She's a Death Eater. Like, she's a horrible person, and she kills one of the, like, the fan-favorite characters along with Neville's parents. But Helena Bonham Carter, I mean... Yeah, she does it in a sexy way, and it's just, you know, I, I don't get it. But I said part two because of, like, the the sexiest she is is when she's fighting Molly. Maybe it gets both of them. I don't know. It's the MILF. But I, just, yeah, I, something about that. I agree that it's that the like and it's it's that because it's certainly not her torching Hermione that's not sexy but her fighting Molly is sexy I agree with yes. you. yes thank you okay this makes me feel better 
the it's the six month or year that we had between part one and part two. <laughs> Damon, this how you? A, I don't know if I, I don't know if I have an answer for this. No, you don't um, have... I mean, it's good. Don't worry. Okay, let's. <laughs> we move on. We let's go with. Go on. No, no, I'll, I'm just gonna go with. Uh, it's not even the film so much as just uh, the character, I guess. But we're gonna go with the Incredibles. Oh, great. Okay. No, this is perfect. You're talking about Elastigirl. Elastigirl. Yeah, perfect. Is an Elastigirl. No, that's woman. a great call. That's that's a great call. Yeah. That's perfect. Yeah. No, they and the, the yeah, what they they knew what they were doing. And they knew that they had an audience for Elastigirl when they made Incredibles 2. Um, I completely agree. We don't need to dive in, but I'm with you. The Incredibles and Gone Girl. <laughs> um, <laughs> okay, yeah, oh, boy. Obviously, parts. Um, great stuff. Okay, we're going to pivot back round again. Damon, what film do you relate to the most? So... This film I originally had for the film that meant the most to me. Mm. And then I answered that. And then I got to this question. I was like, well, wait a second. It, it, it's that film. Right. So now I now that I'm glad I didn't do it for both, since you said this is still draft style. Sure, sure, sure. So this is definitely the answer for this question. What film do I relate to most? It's Dazed and Confused. Okay, yeah, that makes complete sense. It's just a bunch of high school kids, stoners, burnouts, preps, jocks, just loser kids, everybody. You see them all in this small school, Texas town. You know, for one day, they're getting out of school. It's the summer starting. There's a party coming up, and you just see what it's like for, you know, kids who, who have just a huge summer to look out for who are, you know, have a bunch of the future to look for. You know, you're talking about the main characters are, are juniors. They're going to be seniors next year. And the whole big old plot is like, is the main character going to still play for the team anymore? Like, you know, the whole coaches are like ragging him about cutting his hair and stop hanging out with these stoners and all that. You get all that. And then it's just this, this, you know, the whole movie essentially is just them riding around in their cars and their trucks, listening to music, bullshit and smoking that was that that was my my high school like that was my school life right there i would ride around with my my best friend chelsea with no destination it was pretty much the journey was more important than anything we were probably going to sonic anyways but you know the whole the important part was we were you know we were just hanging out you know just chilling on the road and Mm -hmm. dazed and confused just really encapsulates that kind of vibe and that feeling even though it was it's it was filmed in not in the 90s and it was supposed to be about people in the 70s mm-hmm. it's a truly like kind of timeless story and theme so yeah yeah that's like that, that kind of uh mood amongst you know cars. um did you did you see the movie before high school or after i saw it as a freshman oh so you were like right oh, in it perfect timing it yeah. was like a, it was a very very pivotal movie. Watch is why I'm, I mean honestly, it's one of the answers to also movies that mean the most to me because yeah. of like it was like kind of almost kind of guiding me like, hey, this is what high school is going to kind of be like for you. Be yeah. ready, you know. 
and and then now on on rewatches, it's just like yeah, it's it's fond memories now. That's really nice. Yeah, it's really nice to look back at something like that and just be like, yeah, it was great. <laughs> Especially about high school, because <laughs> I feel like that's not a common thing that people feel when they look back on their time. So well done you, Carl. Um, how do you feel about Days and Confused? Did that did that relate to your school experience at all? So I was homeschooled uh, my entire life. <laughs> like you weren't like driving around with your family. <laughs> uh, I love this though, just on the basis of Damon answering it. Like I, I pretty much knew that this was going to be, if not like the answer, one of your potential answers. Um, yeah, yeah. Hell of a soundtrack too. Am I right? Uh, <laughs> but it's, wow. it's great. It's it's one of those things so my answer is going to be very similar it's also set in high school but it's it's one of those things where like you said it's set in the 70s filmed in the 90s but you can watch it even today and it's there's there's specific things about that high school experience that just kind of repeat and they're like very relatable no matter where you're at you know so yeah that's a great pick go for it what was your pick uh so i have one that came out in 2015 another one i guess that came out in 2015 it is me and earl and the dying girl um it's based on a young adult book. It is about this guy, Greg. He's in high school. His best friend, Earl, they meet a girl named Rachel, who is, in fact, dying. Spoilers. Um, uh, and he is, like, I think the reason I picked this is because this isn't a unique thing. Like, people like movies. But I, this kid is obsessed with movies. That's all he does is make movies with his friend Earl, and they're all like really dumb remakes of like Criterion Collection films. And when I tell you that's exactly what I did with my friend Mason, it was a little before high school, but I had that exact experience of just like not really fitting in anywhere and just kind of like I just made stupid movies with my friend. Like that's kind of that was my outlet. Um, and he he also does so I I feel like honestly Dazed and Confused in this movie could make a fun double feature because they both do a great job of like designating the different like uh, groups in a high school. Uh, there's a really fun sequence early on in the movie. He narrates a lot of the movie and he's talking about the different groups and he's like, you've got the you know the geeks and the the jocks and all of that. And he's like, then you've got me making uh, Citizen Kane with Earl. <laughs> uh, it's just a really stupid kind of like fun coming of age movie. Um, there's some really great stuff there though, with like him and his relationship, his friend with this friend, um, Rachel. And it's just, she's played by Olivia cook who people would probably know from, you know, ready player one and uh, sound of metal last year. They're all just really great in the movie, but she especially is just fantastic, but it's just, it, it, it perfectly captures that feeling of kind of being just lost and like aimless in high school and not really knowing, you know what you're doing he's in his senior year and he has no clue what he wants to do for college and that was definitely me uh kind of still is <laughs> i feel like my life is like the sad sequel to this movie where i still don't know what i'm doing <laughs> but like he <laughs> uh yeah he's just such an endearing character because he really just like wants to make movies with his friend he wants life to be that simple for the rest of his life and obviously it's not gonna be but like it's just a very fun kind of exploration of that feeling of being in high school and life being kind of this confusing thing yeah that's so nice and i think it's um it's always funny to relate to movies where you're just like oh I, this guy doesn't know what he's doing <laughs> but then <you're laughs> like, that's me too i feel like you've um 
I've done a podcast with you guys before where you've recommended this. It might have been the school movies draft, maybe. Yes, I think so. Um, yeah. You talked about the soundtrack as well. And guess what? I still haven't watched it, but maybe, <laughs> maybe I need my own Kyle list. Oh, well, Kyle and Damon list just because I've never seen any movies ever. But, you know. Um, no, I... Uh, I suspected this film might come up for you again, Carl, and you didn't disappoint. Same with Damon. Both of those movies, I was—I probably could have narrowed that down to about a three-movie draft, and you would have picked one of them. So thank you for not letting me down on that oh, front. Um, I'm glad I know <laughs> you both well. Um, Kyle, what movie could you watch over and over again? I'll tell you when we come back from break. Okay, welcome back from break. We left off with the question, what film could you watch over and over again? Um, I have a few like this where I kind of am prone to just rewatching things a lot. You know, sometimes it's just hard to focus on something new. Um, Mm -hmm. Trying to be better about that because I have a lot of blind spots. But I think one that, like, regardless of, like, mood, tone, like, whatever place I'm in, I feel like I could put this on and even put it on at like any point in the movie and just kind of get sucked in. And that's back to the future. Um, Mm -hmm. I think it's easily one of the most rewatchable movies of all time. It's just like, it's kind of designed that way. It's just got so many familiar beats in in the story. And like I said, you can put it on at any point. I recommend starting from the beginning because it's got a great opening tracking shot and it's a great beginning to a movie, but you can start it at any point, start at the, you know, the chase scene when he, it's Biff and like the truck of manure. Like you can start at any point and it's just iconic and you'll just kind of be transported and just like want to rewatch it. And like, it's one that I can quote probably the entire movie while watching, but that doesn't make it like old or like, you know, outplayed or anything. It's still, I laugh as hard as like the first time I saw it. So it's gotta be back to the future. Yeah, that's great. Do you remember, like, did you watch it as a kid? Yeah, this was another one. I this was another one that I have very early memories of watching. We had actually, I'm really proud of the fact that I still have the. Uh, I don't know, like what it. There was some pack of the the trilogy on DVD that, like, I think our grandma gave to us when we were kids, and I still have it. Um, and it's like one that I probably should replace because I think the first one is the only one that still plays without skipping. Um, but. Yeah, I had very early memories and it was one that we would watch like as a family and then I would grow up and be like, oh, I still love this movie. Like this is the, this is considered one of the best movies of all time. And I kind of I get why. <laughs> yeah, that's so good. What? How do you feel about the um, the other two? I love them. I think the three of us have talked about that, too. Like the, the second one is really fun because it gets really dark. Um, but the third one is like such a fun Western. Like it's just so fun like the first one is fun for reasons that it's just like so well made and it's like a perfect pacing and perfect plot but like the third one they just knew that they could do whatever they wanted because it was such a successful movie um and i love that they filmed the the second two back to back um and then yeah just i i don't particularly have any strong feelings about the western genre i don't hate or love it i just kind of think it's there but this is probably my favorite Western. Uh, I just think it's, it's so fun. And props to like, I mean, we love Christopher Lowe. We love Marty McFly, but props to Thomas F. Wilson for being able to play so many different versions of a giant dick bag. He's just great. Like he's, 
as Mad Dog Tannen, he's just so fun in the third movie. Yeah, that's so good. And yeah, as you said, I, I, I'm remembering now that we've spoken about this before. We've spoken about a lot of this stuff before, but um, <laughs> I always go to bat for that third movie. I love an emotional, romantic Christopher Lloyd arc, you know? I'll, I'll, yes. I'll, I'll take that. Damon, how do you feel about that? You know, I could, love could you watch it? Yeah, could you watch it over and over again? I would watch I have watched it over and over again. Uh, also, a movie that I don't remember not no remembering like i've always just it's always been a part of my life and mm-hmm. as i've gotten older it's like just reaffirming that it's that awesome it's that amazing and i love it i love time travel movies this is probably the reason why and i i have a special place in my heart for for them all all the whole trilogy i i still say i think i like the second one maybe even a little bit more than the first but as far as a movie goes, like the first one is just almost perfect, other than the incest, you know. Yeah, that's a, that's a good qualifier there. But I don't think your opinions are common. I know a lot of people that prefer this, like, think the second one's best. It's a case of like Godfather Two syndrome, right? So like that got that that second movie vibe. Um, yeah. Damon, what film could you watch over and over again? So there's there's a lot of movies that I have watched over 20 times like there, there's several um especially as a kid you know kids you, that's kind of what you did you watch movies over and over and over again and not get tired of it as and as adult you know sometimes you, you always tend to you always have those comfort movies one movie that i from the moment i first saw it i laughed to like just laugh myself into a fit and it happens still to this day I think it's the funniest movie of all time. Anchorman, The Legend of Ron Burgundy. Oh, wow. I thought we were going Holy Grail for a second. I, I, you know, Holy Grail could fit here, too. It really could. But Anchorman, I just feel like I... While Monty Python and the Holy Grail is amazing, and I do enjoy the ending. I do. I love it. Anchorman is a laugh every single minute like it, it doesn't <laughs> slow down and in the and it, it gets just as strong in the ending um i don't know i it i could quote it the entire movie probably so i we have quoted half of the movie before <laughs> yeah and i think that's like a real indicator of these kind of movies right because i could do that with like wayne's world which is like a similar sort of tone i think so it's just like i could right. quote that front and that's like indicative i guess of just how you just put it on and even if you just have it in the background it's just like it just makes your way it makes its way into the subconscious and like you say even if like the fact that it's still making you laugh like many moons later six 17 years later damon that's how long that's how long i watched it like like a month or two ago and just was like just as giddy yeah, that's great. That's what that's what it's all about. That's what the magic of movies is all about. Oh man, if only we were wrapping up there, we're not. Um, we're gonna uh, dip back down. What's the Damon? What's the worst movie you've ever watched? So I'm sure, like, there's actual correct answers for this that I can't think of that I've erased from my memory. But this one, this one's still new, so it's still fresh. Okay, but when I say I hate this movie, I hate this movie. The rental. Yeah. 
2020 movie. Kyle, why are you laughing? <laughs> I just forgot this was a thing until just now. <laughs> it's so bad. It's so bad. Um, so it's Dave Franco's directorial debut. And um, I love me some Dave Franco. The better Franco, in my opinion. Um, but this movie is the most boring, bland blah horror movie I've ever seen. There's nothing original about it. Nothing innovative. It's slow. And, like, apparently there was a twist that I read about looking this movie up again, but I don't remember it because it's that bad. So it really wasn't, (laughs) couldn't have been a twist. It really couldn't have been a twist. You have two couples who go to this uh, oceanside rental for this yep. to say weekend and their host, the dude who owns it, you know, is just kind of creepy and awkward and weird. And then stuff goes weird. And then, you know, horror movie stuff. Sure, 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 sure. But it's so, yeah. it's just, there's nothing good about it. Like there's Alison Brie and Dan Stevens are in it. So like good actors, but the yeah, script. Just, yeah. It's trash. It's, no, it, there's, there's nothing good to say about it. And it actually has decent reviews, at least at the time of when I watched it. I watched it about four or five months after it came out. And, like, people were like, yeah, this is good. It's it's refreshing. And I watched it, and I'm like, what is wrong with these people? I was so mad. I've ne- I don't know if I've ever been madder watching a movie, watching this movie. I was like, what the hell did they watch? Because this movie is not it. And I was just mad how I ever watched it. I've got two things to say, having just like brought up the wiki page. It's got 75% on Rotten Tomatoes. So God. And the second thing I'm gonna say is that there's a whole section called it's only admittedly one sentence, but a section called potential sequel. And um it says that Frank was <laughs> interested in a sequel saying it was the intention from the beginning to leave the ending ambiguous enough that we carry on a story if given a chance. I have a very strong idea for what I would want to do the sequel. So maybe. Maybe it's just an unfinished tale, Damon. Maybe that's why you didn't like it so much. In my notes, I wrote, I wrote the rental. Yuck. <laughs> <laughs> that's all you got to say. Just yuck. Kyle, uh, did you like it? <laughs> uh, no, I, I fucking hate this movie. And again, oh. like, I forgot it was a thing until you said something. And, like, when you look at the names, it should be a good movie. Dave Franco, Dan Stevens, Allison Brie... It's co-written by Dave Franco and Joe Swanberg, who's a great writer. Like, it just misses. It's just utterly lifeless. Yeah, but it was a labor of love, probably, for Alice and Brie, because they're together, aren't they? Oh, they are. God damn it. Oh, that's sad, because it was so bad. (laughs) She did it for love. Good good for you guys, but, you know, don't do it again. I'm glad you're in love and stuff. You're a cute couple, but, like, don't make it. Um... (laughs) Well, apparently, you know, apparently. Um, interesting. Oh, well, we'll have a watch party for the sequel. That'll be fun. Uh, <laughs> Kyle, what's the worst film you've ever watched? Yeah, this is difficult because I have tried... New Year's resolutions are bullshit, but the one that I had this year was that I was going to stop shitting on movies so much. I think that I, I am just too negative in general about movies. I think that, you know... Be negative, but you know, it's just yeah. 
You can you can also So I have one. I just like I I think that every film is a is a someone's working on it and I wanted to keep that in mind when I answered this. But with this movie, I just think there's no artistic value to it and I think that it was made in a very like I want to make money doing the like the bare minimum kind of movie and that's Jack and Jill. Um I just like Adam Sandler, I'm getting so tired of defending you. Like you do make good movies, but stop making garbage like this. Like it's just not lately. What's that? Oh yeah, that's true. I mean, you know, um, it's just bad. It's just so bad. It's so bad, and it's so triggering for me that I have a my buddy Jim will occasionally just look like send me either a video of him or the actual clip of the movie of Al Pacino going. Uh, doing a stupid ass uh, Dunkachino commercial, like he'll just send me that clip or him quoting it, and I get so mad every time. Uh, <laughs> it's just bad. It's Adam Sandler playing a twin brother and sister. I think Katie Holmes is in it. Maybe. Um, yeah. I just I, there's a lot of movies I hate. Like I was I was considering mentioning Batman versus Superman, but I think that I hate that movies that movie for very biased reasons, and I can acknowledge that. Uh, Jack and Jill, I think, is just objectively a very, very bad movie. <laughs> I can't believe the um, the cast list I'm seeing on this movie. I've never seen it. Katie Holmes, Al Pacino, Norm MacDonald, Dana Carvey, David Spade, Johnny Depp, Shaquille O'Neal, yeah. Yeah. John Wagner, Christine Brinkley. Yeah, I, um, yeah. Wild. I forgot Norm. Forgot Norm was in it, and that makes me so sad. And now I like want to rewatch it for him, but I don't want to because it's Jack and Jill. <laughs> it's called Fun Bucket, so <laughs> maybe I don't know. <laughs> Whatever. <laughs> Damon, have you seen Jack and Jill? I've seen enough. <laughs> like I've, I've I've seen enough of that to to say I've. To no, don't watch it. Great, perfect. It it is by far his worst movie, and I'm a huge Adam Sandler fan. And that movie, like, I couldn't make it through like the, the very small amount I watched. It was tre- just no. Less than um, less than Pixel. Oh, so much worse. Um, hold up. I love Pixels. Oh, we're not we're not doing this. We're not defending pixels. I haven't seen it, but I'm just pixels and the nonsense that that movie was. Okay, okay. So this is another answer for you for what movie do you love that everybody has? The answer is pixels. Um, apparently, I thought it was fun, a really fun kids movie because that's what that movie was. I thought. Yep. Oh, you're great. Great. <laughs> um, well, to, to turn on to, to nicer pastures, um, the last question I have for you both. Um, Kyle, what's the, what is objectively the best film of all time? Okay, so similarly, very difficult question. I... I think that I'm going to go, I'm going to go on a mini rant. I just, I think that the second we start looking at movies in an objective light is the, the day that movies become not fun. Uh, I love so many movies that are objectively not good <laughs> or not great. You know, they're just like fine movies, 
But there are some that I watch where I'm just like, oh, this is like a masterpiece. Like, this is genuinely, I don't know how they made this. The two that immediately leapt to mind, I'm not going to say The Godfather because, like, we get it. It's fine. Whatever. It's The Godfather. Uh, I'm going to say The Wizard of Oz and Casablanca. I think both of them are stone cold masterpieces. I think that the the reason I pick both of them is with both of those movies, there's not a second wasted. Uh, I don't know the runtime for either of them, but they're on the short side. Um, right. And yeah, they just make use of that. Like there's just not a, a single shot that's out of place, especially with Casablanca. It's just a movie that like very easily, I did not see it for a very long time. It was one that I put off because I was like, for this reason, like it's just lauded as one of the best movies of all time. And I was like, it can't be that good. And I finally watched it and it, I feel like it, like with other movies that are lauded like that, like Citizen Kane or stuff like that, I feel like they made it knowing they were making something important and they were like, we've got to make a movie that matters and says something important. And I feel like they probably had a lot more fun making this one. Like, it's just, it's funny. And it's got, like, some good one-liners. And it's, it's like, interesting characters. And, yeah, I, I just think that it, uh, you know, my answer could change, you know, in five years when Olivia remakes it with Muppets, like she's promised to do. But uh, <laughs> until then, it's got to be this one. <laughs> yes. No, I, you know I agree with you. But also, yeah, um, The Wizard of Oz, we talked about that in our draft as well. Um, right. What is it about Wizard of Oz that, apart, you know, you're saying like, yeah, not a shot missed and stuff like that, but what um, is it the magic of Technicolor? What is it for you that makes that film like incredible? I think that's part of it. I think it, it's another one where it's like they had a very, they had a very specific idea in mind of what they wanted to do. And they also committed to it, right? Like you have, it's a weird story. Like The Wizard of Oz is a kind of a weird, bizarre out there movie, especially for the time that it came out in. And it's fully commits to that. Judy Garland is just utterly flawless in that movie. Um, yeah, I think it's one that, it's also, I think movies are sometimes afraid to be unabashedly sincere. And The Wizard of Oz, it was easier in the 30s. Like, you know, it's easier for movies to do that. But it, it it's just like, so sincere and genuine and like you have her just singing her heart out singing over the rainbow and there's not it's impossible to be cynical watching that movie it's just it's, it's such a beautiful piece of art so yeah no that's so lovely I don't think I've watched that movie as an adult so I think I will be giving that a go again <laughs> I think my cynical my my you know my tin man my lack of heart <laughs> I might not <laughs> I just like decided written it off, but um, I think I might give it a go. Yeah, I know what you mean though, Damon. What um, to you? And it, yeah, like I say, it doesn't have to um, doesn't have to be your favorite movie. Doesn't have to be critically loved. But what is objectively the best movie of all time? Okay, so I do have to answer, right? Okay. <laughs> okay. Well, it's just like okay. Objectively, I don't think anyone can answer this answer this question objectively. Like, it's, you know, there's always bias expectations. Like, you know, the fact of what this movie, you know, thousands of people say this movie is the best. So, like, there's already that put into our minds of, you know, this movie has some sort of weight to it. I'm just a super, super subjective person when it comes to movies. I think if you enjoy a movie, then that movie is good. Like, movies are art, you know, of course, that is an art form. So, 
what you get out of it is vastly different from what the next person gets out of it. Um, you know, so people always say, oh, this movie is objectively so much better than this one. Why? Why? Do you, why? Why? Like, <laughs> who, who says that? Who gets to say that? Uh, it's all opinion. Uh, so for my opinion, what I think is the best movie is Star Wars. And mm-hmm. I, I just think for what it's done, what it was when it first came out, it was a, just a crazy like chaotic success like it just came out of nowhere you know it was, it was a movie to sell toys and what it became in just that first movie like just take it i've said this before on this pod you take everything away and you just have star wars mm-hmm. a new hope you know it wasn't even considered a new hope at the, at that time you take that and you have that and nothing else it is still such a fantastic movie on its own such a great hero's journey um, it's so mythical and fantastic, and it's so fun uh, from beginning to end. So that is my pick: Star Wars, best movie. Oh, fab! Yeah, and so I, I see what you mean. Like at the time when it came out, it was revolutionary. But you're going to stick with the with the as it became a new hope rather than Empire or Return of the Jedi. Yeah, I'm going Star Wars. I'm going the first because without that, you don't have the others and. And it really was like just on its own was just such a phenomenon. So, Carl, yeah. how do you feel about that? Yeah, I mean, it, this movie was basically like a student film when it came out. Like, there was no chance on paper. There's no chance that something like this takes off the way Star Wars did. And George Lucas, love or hate him, they hated it. Uh, he he really just went for it with this. And like, I it, I have almost daily conflicted feelings about this franchise today because of just the fandom and you know there's just so many reasons to like get tired of star wars today but when you go back to the simple joy of watching the first movie because it is it's just so simple but it's like taking even taking away the impact that it had on movies and and the the first that it accomplished just like the joy of watching like the simple hero hero's journey um yeah it's it's like flawless. I mean, they knew this is another example of the team behind it being confident in their product, right? Like they knew exactly what they were making. They didn't compromise. They wanted to make something weird and out there and and inspired by Kurosawa films, which like anyone else would have been like, why? Why are you doing that? Why? And he just really committed to that. And he was like, I think those are beautiful movies. We want to translate that. And it it works. It translates so well. So this is a fantastic pick. Yep, you heard it here first, folks. The the best movies of all time are Star Wars, Wizard of Oz, and Casablanca. I think that's <laughs> a worthy trio encompassing a lot of different genre. <laughs> um, so well done. Well done, you two. You've, you've nailed it. You've absolutely nailed it. And that comes, now we're coming to the end of the questions. So thank you both so much. Thank Olivia, you. thank you. This was so fun. Yeah. I love it. Uh, it, it was it was really fun to just dig into these kind of questions and like really talk about just why, you know, mm-hmm. I don't you know, we're always drafting like different stuff for the reason why it's because of the draft itself, you know, but like this is just talking about movies that we love and, and you know what they mean to us. So I'll, I could do this every week, really. <laughs> yeah, thank you so much for having me and um, check out full credit to Brett Goldstein for um, for the podcast films to be married with. Um, not to plug another podcast on your podcast, but check it out. Good. As an accompaniment to Planet, Planet Fantasy, you should check that out. 
for Roy Kent, anything. Like, it's, it's perfectly fine. <laughs> um, but yes, no, thank you so much for joining us, Liv. Uh, as always, we love having you. This was a blast. I hope everyone listening, you know, gets to know us a little bit better and, you know, is excited for the next one. And uh, until then, Kyle, you got anything for the people? Yeah, thanks for listening, y'all. Uh, we had a blast with this. We will be back next week, kicking off October with the next installment in our Stewards of Sound series. We're talking about the 1960s in music. It's going to be rough. It's going to be brutal. It's not going to be bad as the 70s, which is still breaking my brain. I have about 40 songs, and I'm going to cry on the podcast. Uh, I haven't even tried but... to think about the 80s, dude. Like, I, like, <laughs> yeah, I, forget I don't about to. it. But 60s is also a formidable, like, that's a crazy decade for music. Um, we're going to have our good friends, Waheed and Dre, uh, just, it's going to be a blast. We're going to steal picks left and right. It's going to be fun. So stay tuned for that. We'll see y'all next week. See y'all. Bye.